Go ahead and turn in your copy of Scripture to Isaiah chapter 9. Are you turning there? I, I, I don't know if you know uh, that there was a guy who uh, wrote a bunch of hymns. In 1719, this guy wrote uh, poetry uh, as a devotion through the Psalms. And uh, he'd take a psalm and he'd write a poem, and uh, that poem would describe what was in the psalm, but especially describe how Jesus could be seen in the Psalms of the Old Testament. Well, he penned a psalm, a poem, on Psalm 98. And in 1719, a guy named Isaac Watts penned this poem, and he didn't intend it to be anything other than just a poem as a devotion to Psalm 98. Uh, but several years later, uh, somebody found that poem and put a tune to it. Even though Isaac Watts was very capable of writing hymns himself, uh, this wasn't one that he intended to be a hymn. But somebody found it. They said, this needs to be a hymn. In fact, it became perhaps the, uh, it's in the top 10 of Christmas carols that we enjoy today. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. It's one of the great Christmas carols of our day, and it's an ancient Christmas carol, uh, uh, you know, 400 years old, 300 years old. It's good stuff. Well, today... Uh, the message of Isaac Watts' poem and that Christmas carol, Joy to the World, is really the message that the angels declared and, uh, as they met with shepherds 2,000 years ago outside the city of Bethlehem. These uh, angels met the shepherds and freaked them out. Uh, but here's what the angel said to the shepherds. He said, don't be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you, I love that, unto you there is born this day in the city of David the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Joy to the world because of Jesus. And that's what Christmas is all about, and certainly we have a lot of different ideas about Christmas, and there are people all over the seven cities of Hampton Roads that'll give you their idea about what Christmas is all about, and some will say food, some will say family, some will say fun, some will say Hallmark, whatever it may be, we know that Christmas was born when Jesus was born. And all of Christmas is the message of joy to the world because God has sent a Savior to us. Unto you is born this day. Well, that's really the message that comes from the promise of God found from the pen of Isaiah the prophet hundreds of years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem, centuries before Isaac Watts penned a poem about Jesus God spoke through the prophet Isaiah and said, I want you to deliver a message to the people that there will be joy to the world. And just look in Isaiah chapter 9, 
Look at verse 2 and 3. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. You have, talking to God, you have multiplied the nations. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you like the joy of the harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Darkness and shadows were covering uh, the souls of those who were living in Judah at the time, but God sent a message to them, and not only to them, but to those who were in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, but not only to them, but to us today, that God promises a Savior who will come and deliver joy to the world. And we may be living in a world that is racked with confusion and trouble and pain and shadow and death, images of bad stuff. But friends, because of Jesus, we have joy. Because of Jesus, everything changes. In the landscape, in the world in which we live, there is truly joy at our disposal because there is a Savior whom God sends to us. There's a Savior whom God sends for us. Now, Christmas declares a message of joy for us, joy to the world. You see, because God is for us, because he's for you and for me, because he is for us, he sends Jesus to us to give us joy. We need to be a people who have happy hearts if we indeed know Jesus. And even in the landscape of our life that is littered with uh, shreds of shadows and darkness, we need to be a people who have joyful hearts because we know Jesus. You see, Isaiah chapter 9 is a Christmas passage. Uh, In my 18 years here, I've preached it over 10 times. And pretty much every single one was at Christmas. Why do we keep returning to this passage? Because it is personal. It is practical. And it is life-changing. It tells us that God has committed himself to sinners like you and me in such a way that he would send a Savior who would meet our needs. Good gracious, guys. Christmas isn't about uh, a a movie on television. It's not about uh, the sights and sounds that we we enjoy. It's not about uh, decking the tree and and those type things. Certainly those can be good things. I'm not saying those are bad things. But that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is the great declaration from heaven itself that God is for us to deliver joy to us through the person of Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus, you have joy. That's it. Guys, I know some of you are grieving over your football teams playing terribly yesterday. Some of you are grieving victory being snatched from the jaws of defeat for your opponents. You're grieving today, and I get it. Some of you are grieving over more serious things. Your hearts are heavy. 
You're weighed down. You're struggling. And you come here today and you need hope. You need a word from God to give joy. And this is the word. His name is Jesus. And he's here for you. For you. He's here to change your life. He's here to change your perspective. He's here to empower you and strengthen you. Yes, Jesus is God eternal and he deserves all glory. And he is God eternal whether you know him or not. And he deserves glory whether you like him or not. But the good news of Christmas is that God is personally engaged in your life. So much so that he would send a personal savior to you to rescue you, to deliver you so that you might see God, so that you might have relationship with God, so that you might be joyful in this life and for all eternity. So what is it that God promises in this passage? What is it that the angels sang about? Uh, don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For unto you, is, unto, you, unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. What is this message of hope that we sing about? Joy to the world, the, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. What is this message? Oh, it's that Jesus himself has come to provide the avenue for a life lived in joy every day. Now look at verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9. In verse 6, in verse 6, the prophet speaks personally and powerfully about Jesus Christ, the Savior. And he begins with these words, unto us. Again, make no mistake, you can get all theological about this, but, but in the Greek, in the New Testament, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, make no mistake, it means for you, unto us, for you. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And with each one of those titles, we see how that God, because he's for us, he sends Jesus to us so that we might have joy. Listen, because God is for us, he understands that we muddle around in life, even as followers of Jesus. Because God is for us, he understands that we can get distracted by things that, that, that capture our attention. We get all squirrely when, when uh, trinkets that are flashy come before our eyes. Even as followers of Jesus, we get distracted by our own ideas and our own perspectives, our own emotions. Even, even as followers of Jesus, we can get distracted or we can get confused or we can, we, we can lack clarity in the midst of everyday life. And so Jesus has come as wonderful counselor. He is wonderful counselor. Because God is for us, he sends us the wonderful counselor, and that delivers joy. Jesus comes as wonderful counselor, and he gives us perfect counsel to dispel our confusion. Uh, my granddaughter, no, I don't know if you, have you heard? I have a granddaughter. 
Her name is Nora, and she is a delight. One of the things that Nora and I do, uh, and, and we've been doing it uh, for as long as she could grab my glasses. See, these are readers. They're, they're, not, they're not anything but readers. I have contacts for the other stuff. But these are the up-close things. And so I have these readers, and uh, for months now, months and months, Nora uh, has delighted when I held her in my arms to take those glasses and to smudge them up with her fingers and, and bend them. And then she started to try to put them back on my face. Okay, so she'll take them off my face, and then she'll try to put them back on my face, and she'll stick them in my eye and stick them up my nose and stick them in my ear, and eventually she gets them on just right. Well, in the last several weeks, she's done something different. Not only has she tried to put them on my face, but then she turned them around. She tried to put them on her face. Isn't that great? We've got pictures, her walking around with my glasses on. Uh, yesterday, we were sitting watching football, and uh, uh, she took my glasses and she put them on her face. But she kept them on her face, and she decided she was going to walk around a little bit, but then the problem came. And we know what the problem is. See, those glasses are made for old eyes like mine, not young eyes like hers. And those glasses messed up her perception. Those glasses um, didn't give her clarity. They created confusion. Those glasses didn't correct her vision. It, it cursed her vision, right? When we walk through life without Jesus, we're looking at life through a lens that is crooked, that confuses us and gives us no clarity. When we walk through this life separated from God by our sin, pummeled by the consequence and the deep darkness of our sin, we're walking with clouded lenses that don't give us clear direction. But Jesus has come to take off those faulty lenses and, gives, lenses and give us clear vision on how to live. He is the wonderful counselor. He is God himself who gives us wonderful wisdom that is perfect in every way for every circumstance. So can I tell you the first act of wisdom the wonderful counselor tells you? Can, can I just share it with you? This is, this is your introduction to wonderful heavenly wisdom that can change your perspective and give you life. Here it is. You are a sinner, and your sin has separated you from God. And you have no hope of making up the distance, bridging the gap that your sin has created. Your sin is what leads to the deep darkness of despair. Your sin gives darkness room and space to dance in your soul. But God sent Jesus to die for your sin upon a cross, to take the punishment that your sin demanded upon himself. And as Jesus hung on a cross and died, he did it with you in his mind and on his heart. He died for sinners like you. 
But his death was not the end. His death put him in a borrowed tomb. But three days later, God's power raised Jesus from the dead so that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you and I have a chance at forgiveness of sin and a new life from here and into heaven. Through his death, Jesus made us fit for God's family. Through his resurrection, he gave us power to live each day as a member of God's family. And the only hope that you and I have to escape the darkness of sin's consequence is by placing our trust in Jesus, turning away from our sin, seeing that his death on the cross was payment for my sin, that his resurrection from the dead gives us new life. And if you today have not embraced Jesus by faith in that way and experienced a transformation of heart and mind and life, then you are still fumbling around in the darkness. The wonderful counselor has come to set your mind right (laughs) and to give you clarity of life and vision. And even now, he's speaking to you. If you have not been rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus, today is the day. That is perfect counsel to dispel your confusion. But even after we become followers of Jesus, he doesn't stop with the counsel. It is a wonderful thing to know that God, by his grace, through his son, Jesus Christ, empowered by the Spirit, through the word of God, speaks to us every day so that we can live as followers of Jesus, so that we can walk with clarity, not confusion. Now, he's not saying he's going to remove all the fog, but he will give us direction in this moment, at this time. When we submit ourselves to him and say, Jesus, tell me what to do. Make no mistake, Jesus will take you by the hand and he will lead you through. If you're a follower of Jesus, please understand, don't put on faulty lenses to get through this day. But rather listen to the wonderful counselor as he speaks to you through his word and by his spirit. We love to quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I'm not sure how much we really like to live it out. You know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Are you listening to the wonderful counselor? Are you submitted to the wonderful counselor? That's where clarity comes. And by the way, clarity doesn't come by proxy. Doesn't come because I'm telling you what to do. Clarity comes as the Spirit of God speaks to you through the Word of God, sometimes by the spokesman that God gives, but He applies it to your heart personally. My prayer for you is that the Spirit of God would apply the words of the wonderful counselor to your life right now and dispel the confusion. Here's joy. God is for us so much that he sends counselor, the wonderful counselor, to us 
so that we can live with clarity and not with confusion. Because God is for us, he sends Jesus to give us joy in the wonderful counselor, but he also sends Jesus to give us joy in the mighty God. See, Jesus gives us unlimited power for daily living. Jesus gives us unlimited power for daily living. That phrase, this is all from Isaiah 9, 6. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. El Gabor, what's he talking about there? El Gabor is the one who, uh, the God who gains victory over armies and and does victoriously in battle. This is the power that God provides for you and for me every single day. You and I are faced with... um, the maelstrom of unmanageable moments every day. And we face mountains that we cannot move. And those unmanageable mountains and those moments, those unmanageable moments and those mountains we can't move cause us to despair. And I get it, and I've lived there and live there still sometimes. But Jesus is the mighty God who has come to apply the very power of God that raises from the dead to your situation and your circumstance in your life. Is that where you're living? Or are you living by your own strength? And are you still, like I get sometimes, are you still so boastful and proud to think that you can do life on your own? By your own strength? Have you not been punched in the mouth enough to know that it is not enough for you to do it on your own, in your own strength? Listen, we need God to help us in the unmanageable moments and mountains we can't move. And here's the promise of Christmas, that Jesus is the mighty God who will move the mountains and manage the unmanageable. We do believe, don't we? That when we live for God's glory, he will do what he's able to do, which is infinitely above and beyond what we can ask or imagine. Don't you believe that? This is the God who raised Jesus from the dead. And he is the God who works in your life today. To give you joy even in the stuff that you can't fix on your own. Hey, life is hard, isn't it? But we're not going it alone. We don't have to. (laughs) We've got the mighty God holding our hand, leading us forward in victory. He promises us the same victory that 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 he exhibited when he defeated death itself. When he killed the power of sin by his death on the cross and when he killed the power of death by his resurrection, my goodness, this Jesus, our King, he is mighty God and he is committed to you and to me. He gives us this promise of victory and it's not a promise that's um, made in a simple, simple song or an uh, impotent word or phrase. No, this is the promise that comes uh, 
from the demon defeater and the death killer. This is the promise that comes from the sea splitter and the wave tamer. This is the promise that comes from the sun stopper and the man maker, Jesus Christ, mighty God. God is for us. Here is joy. Come on. Look, stop living like you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, stop living like you're just at the whim and wish of the wind. Oh my goodness, you hold Jesus by the hand. You're holding the power to roll away the tomb and give new life. Let's live in that power. That's where joy comes from. I know you're facing stuff. But Jesus is up for every mountain that you need moved. And Jesus gives unlimited power for living every single day. And God is for us. And because he's for us, he sent Jesus to us to give us joy, the joy of a wonderful counselor, the joy of mighty God, and the joy of an everlasting father. Jesus is our everlasting father, and he provides for us soul-satisfying love, even in loneliness or lonely times. I, I know that this season which is a season of happiness for so many, is not a season of happiness for some. It reminds you of loss. It accentuates loneliness. You feel like Ebenezer Scrooge hating Christmas for all it represents. And because of struggles you faced or isolation, or bitterness, or whatever, I understand. But Jesus has come to connect you intimately with a love that will satisfy your soul eternally. Not based upon any other relationship, just based upon the relationship that he gives us with God. He is the everlasting Father, the eternal Father, the Father that doesn't quit, the Father that doesn't stop, the Father that doesn't give up on us. And I know some of you don't have dads that that, that, that means much to you, everlasting Father, but I do have a dad, or that means the world to me. I understand I understand the kind of soul-satisfying love that comes from God because I've had a dad who has loved me with that love. You know, my mom and dad, they have, they have suffered through much with me. And that's not, that's not a joke. They, they've watched me stiff-arm them, and they've watched me stiff-arm God. And they've loved me in spite of me. They've committed themselves to me in the good times and the bad. They've watched me wander away from uh, the things of God at different times. And uh, instead of writing me off, they stood outside the home watching that dusty road for their prodigal to come home. 
And then when they see me running down the road, they run to meet me and they embrace me in their arms. They say, come on. The one who was lost has been found. My mom and dad have loved me and my brothers with a tough love that corrects me when I get off course, but it's also a tender love that corrects me with compassion and grace and mercy. And my mom and dad, they've taught me what love looks like because they've shown me the love of God. And they've been able to show me the love of God because Jesus has taught them what that love looks like. The love of Jesus that rescued them from sin and isolation. The love of Jesus, the love of the everlasting Father that wrapped them up in good times and bad times and difficult times and delightful times. That love that surrounded them and shrouded them with comfort and grace and mercy and truth. That love is what they poured out of them into me And that love that they poured into me has shaped my life and changed my life. I know the love of the Father because I've seen it in my family. And it's my deep desire to take that love which my parents poured into me, which God poured into me, which Jesus taught them to do. It's my desire to pour that into my children and to my grandchildren. God willing, my great-grandchildren. To show them what that love looks like. It is a resilient love, a selfless love, a caring love, a compassionate love, a truth-telling love. And that's the love of Jesus. Oh, oh, what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be sons and daughters of God. Good gracious, I know you may feel lonely. The litany of loneliness may be the uh, tune of your soul, but, but if you have Jesus, then you can have joy because Jesus connects you with God, and it's more than your emotion, and it's more than, uh, more than your psychology. It is a relational reality between you and the creator of the universe so that you can live today, day by day, intimately connected with the one, the only one who can satisfy your soul. Here is Jesus. Here is joy. Because God is for you. He has sent you the everlasting Father. And Jesus gives us soul-satisfying, life-shaping love displayed preeminently in Christ and his death on the cross for sinners like you and me. God is for us. And because he's for us, he sent Jesus to give us joy. Joy in a wonderful counselor. Joy in a mighty God. Joy in the everlasting Father. And joy in the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And Jesus delivers a life to us without any missing parts. I don't know if you do puzzles over the holidays I don't. But suppose you're taking a a puzzle and say you're really aggressive and it's a 10,000-piece puzzle. You take that 10,000-piece puzzle and you work on it 
and you put all the pieces in their place, how frustrating would it be to you to have 9,999 pieces in their place and one piece missing? Not 10, not 100 pieces missing, just one. The puzzle is incomplete. It's not fixed. It's broken. Without Jesus, we walk, limp, struggle through life. And no matter how many pieces we may feel like we put together in this life, there's still one piece missing. Apart from Jesus, we're broken. And we don't need a Band-Aid to fix a minor cut. We, we need someone to heal a broken life. We need someone uh, to bring wholeness to a shattered soul. And that's what Jesus has come to do. That's what Prince of Peace means. He is the king who brings peace. See, peace is not the absence of conflict or the presence of comfort. Peace Biblical peace is wholeness and fullness of life. At Christmas, we talk about peace, and even Hallmark sings about peace, but we need peace bigger than what the world can give. We need a peace that that transcends the temporal and leads us to an eternal solution. And the only way for us to have peace in this life, peace in our soul, the only way we can have peace on this earth is through relationship with God, through faith, In Jesus Christ, he is the king who delivers peace. And that peace can be yours today if you'll trust him. If you'll abandon yourself into his grip, the grip of his grace. Jesus died for you on a cross so that you could be saved, rescued. He is truly the Savior who brings joy. But to get that joy, you've got to get to Jesus. And to get to Jesus, you've got to turn from your sin. You've got to trust him. And if there's any in this room today or online with us today, and you have yet to embrace Jesus as Savior and King, I beg you to come to Christ today. The Bible says if you will call upon the name of Jesus by faith, if you'll trust that what he did on the cross was payment and sufficient payment for your sin to make you fit for God's family. If you will believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead to give you a new life, if you will come in humility, surrendering all that you are to Jesus, then you can be rescued. And it's a transaction of God's grace that happens instantaneously. If you'll just say, oh God, I'm a sinner and I'm separated from you and I desperately need forgiveness of my sin, will you, based upon what Jesus has done, will you apply his death on the cross to my account? Will you forgive my sin through Jesus? Will you give me a new life just as you raised him from the dead? Oh God, will you forgive me and bring me into your family? If you pray a prayer like that with all your heart, Make no mistake, the Bible's clear, the promise is there, and sure, you will be rescued. The weight of darkness and shame will be lifted from your soul, and it will be replaced by the joy of God's great grace and forgiving love. If you're far from God, if you have yet to embrace Jesus as king, if you are yet to come to the Prince of Peace in humility, seeking his forgiveness, I invite you to do it today. See, the way Jesus brings us peace is by his own death on the cross.
He died for you, a sinner, so that you might live as a member of God's family. Choose Christ today. If you're a follower of Jesus, oh my goodness, why in the world are you living independent from the Prince of Peace? Stop. Believers that lack joy are believers that are living as though Jesus didn't care about their daily life or Jesus couldn't do anything about their daily life or they've got it all under control. If you're living by the myth that you've got it under control, stop it. We don't. We need Jesus to give us joy. There's another place where Scripture talks about God being for us. The angel said, unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Great joy. Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Great joy. Paul picked up that theme in Romans chapter 8. And he posed a question. Then he gave an answer. Here's, here's the question. If God is for us, who can stand against us? Well, the answer is no one. The God of the universe, when he's for us, there's no one that can stand against us. There's no one that can overwhelm us. There's no one that can defeat us. When God is for us, we stand strong and secure. And the proof, the proof that God is for us is Romans 8.32. For God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will God, along with Jesus, not freely give us all good things? Here is joy to the world. It's found in Jesus. Humble yourself to him. Take hold his hand. Cling to him as if your joy depended upon it. For it certainly does. Would you bow your heads with me, please? In these next few moments, I invite you, if, if you are here today and you know that you have yet to embrace Jesus by faith and experience that wondrous transformation of life that comes by God's grace. You know that you need to follow Jesus for the very first time. You need to cross that line of faith to become a follower of Christ. You know you're not part of God's family, even though you may be attending a church. And you need, you need your sin forgiven forever. You, you, need, you need a relationship an intimate relationship with God. You know Jesus is your only avenue. And you long to, to cry out to God and, and find forgiveness. You're ready to choose Jesus, if that's who you are. I'm going to invite you in a moment when we stand and sing. I'm going to invite you to come to one of the ministers here at the front and just tell us that. If, 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 if that's out of whack for you, I invite you to go to the next step station uh, following uh, our worship gathering. And, or if you're online, I invite you to text Jesus 
to the number on the screen or email pastor at firstnorfolk.org. And, and we just want to help you on that journey. We want you to experience the joy that Jesus came to deliver. If you are a follower of Jesus, as we sing this song that we're about to sing, and as, as we celebrate this wonderful Savior who has come, let the words of this song be your declaration of praise, glory to the light of the world, Jesus Christ, for he has dispelled the darkness that shrouded my soul. Oh God in heaven, be glorified in these next few moments as we worship you. Be glorified as we praise your name. Now take hold our hearts. Draw to yourself those whom you are calling. Lead us to great joy through Jesus Christ, the King. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.